filibuster, filibuster freestyle, filibuster, filibuster. Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a while since I've talked over the intro song, but it is your buddy Gavin. It's the filibuster freestyle, as you're hearing me say. Filibuster freestyle. And we are happy to be back for a solo edition of the filibuster freestyle. Again, your buddy Gavin. Check us out at filibusterfreestyle.com. On Twitter, at Gavin Viano, and uh, anywhere, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, all over the interwebs. Anyway, why am I alone today? Um, it's been a while. Last time I was alone, it was July 4th, and we did our annual July 4th, our second annual July 4th, kind of rolling solo, riding solo, Jason Derulo Americana tribute show. Um, and today's going to be a little different in that, uh, as most of you know, I happen to live in Charlotte. And Charlotte is obviously a city that has been in the news a lot this past week um, for a lot of the wrong reasons, which would be um, a police officer shooting a civilian uh, and him dying, protests about that, and then obviously some quote-unquote riots uh, that were involved as part of the protest. And I'm a little nervous about this one. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I'm not going to try to edit this one out. I'm not going to try to save myself by saying anything dumb. But I'm not going to try to say anything dumb. I know it's a sensitive topic. couple things. Um, number one, why am I doing this? Well, you know, we've done this show for a while. And a lot of crummy things have happened in the world. Um, I can remember there was the terrorist acts that happened in the south of France earlier this year. And there's been a couple other instances where people are like, hey, are you going to talk about that act of terrorism? Are you going to talk about that, that tragedy or that, that, that very newsworthy but also sad piece of information? And frankly, I'm not an expert, obviously, on anything I talk about in the freestyle. <laughs> um, hence the name of the show. But um, definitely don't necessarily feel like up until this point, I've had any reason to comment on anything happening in Nice, France, or um, anywhere else for that matter. And um, we didn't do the show back when the Boston Marathon bombings happened, but for instance, had I done the show back then, since I was living up in that, in that area and have a lot of friends and family who ran the race that day, I probably would have talked about it um, because I would have had at least a personal connection to it. And so that brings me to why we're talking about Charlotte. Um, I live a mile and a half from where all that all went down. And first of all, thank you to everybody who hollered and said, am I okay? How am I doing? That seems crazy. You know, people were checking in this week, and thank you to everybody who did. Um, and that's not why I'm, I'm doing this either. Um, I just feel like, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on the ground here. You know, I'm on the ground here. I, again, I'm a mile and a half away, and, and we'll go into that. But the reason I feel like I can comment on this is that this is the first kind of national news story or international news story where, again, the helicopters circling the city were right over my house. And the things that were happening in the city were happening down the road. And we'll get into all that. But that's why I'm doing it. And if this isn't your normal cup of tea with the filibuster freestyle, I get it. It's a little heavier than usual. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. But stick around. It shouldn't be too, too long because uh, it's, me by, it's me by myself. All right. So, uh, let's get into it. First of all, um, like I said, helicopters were everywhere, but I will put it this way. If it weren't for the helicopters all being all over the city, the news helicopters, etc., probably some police helicopters as well, I would not have known this was going on um, 
in terms of experiencing it and having it hinder my daily life. So while the news did an unbelievable job, as they always do, of making people think that the entire city of Charlotte had been turned into um, Kurt Russell escaped from New York level craziness and anarchy, it wasn't like that. And I think it's important that people understand that most of the protests and most of the rioting, or really let's call it looting and, and, and not really rioting, was in a very small area in uptown Charlotte. And again, um, I went to bed, I believe it was Wednesday night or Tuesday night, and I guess it was Tuesday night. I woke up, I drove through the city, you know, I was like, well, I drove, I drive the route I drive to work to get to the highway to go to, to go to work. And I had no idea anything happened the night before. I had no idea there was a shooting. I had no idea there were protests. I found out about it when I got to work. And I think actually somebody tipped me off to it who wasn't even in Charlotte. So I guess the first thing I want to say is it wasn't as ridiculous in terms of scale or size or in my mind, um, I guess, craziness or, or, or I guess, or being under duress for the entire city. Now, it was very real. I talked to many people on Thursday night at an event who work in Uptown Charlotte, and they were evacuated from their building. They did have to work from home the next day on Thursday. There was, they had seen things. They had seen the vandalism. They had seen the rioting or the protesting and the looting. Again, rioting is it. Someone did die, so let's call it rioting, fine. A, a civilian shot another civilian, and we'll get into that. But I guess the important thing is there were many, many who were affected, but there were many more who were not, and, and I do want to give... Um, just give that scene or that, that, that account to people, okay? A um, couple of sides here. Just kind of what's sad about this. Okay, the Carolina Panthers had an unbelievable football season last year. They went 15-1. and one, They went to the Super Bowl. This whole town, black, white, red, yellow, purple, blue, green, obviously the last couple aren't necessarily actual shades of human skin, um, but the aliens love us down in Charlotte. Anyway, the Panthers had everybody feeling good about the city. Um, the Panthers had a, a game, a home game, two days before the shooting, and the whole city was feeling great about the Panthers. And that's how fast things can fall apart. Two days later, we are under complete duress. We have a curfew. We have the National Guard. We have rioting. We have civilians shooting civilians. Um, we have a mess. And it's amazing how, like, it took almost all of last season or half of last season for the Panthers to galvanize the city completely. And the city can lose that in two days with tragedy. But I bring up the Panthers because, you know, in my mind, it sounds like it's Sunday as I'm recording this. It's Sunday at 10.15 in the East. The Panthers play in about three hours. Apparently they, they, they chose today to arrive at the stadium as a team, as one, instead of coming individually in their cars. And I think that they're trying to send a message of unity Charlotte is trying to have a slogan of one Charlotte, and, and I get that they're trying to find a way to rise above what is a very difficult situation, which we may get into. But I feel like in addition to the Panthers arriving as one at Bank of America Stadium, unofficial sponsor of the week, you're welcome, Bank of America, um, I think the Panthers should say something. I think, you know, ideally they should win the game today, <laughs> better than losing, and Cam Newton and Luke Keekley should say something. One, they're the two most popular players we have. Two, they happen to be a, a, an African-American guy and a white guy. Uh, and, and three, uh, you know, both guys, I mean, they sell the two most jerseys in the city. Those guys saying something, and by saying something, I mean saying something to the, to the effect of that one Charlotte piece where protests are right, 
but peaceful, pro- peaceful protests are right. Um, I think it'll go a long way. We'll see what they do on that. Okay. When I left town, I left town for a night to go on a business trip. Um, on Friday, I had to go to Richmond, Virginia for an event, a couple meetings. And what I wrote before I left was that the CMPD, the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department, has got to produce the videotape, their videotape of this shooting. And, and, and of course, they did. Um, they did last night, Saturday night. Um, and, and listen, this is a new day and age. If a guy dies as a result of a traffic stop, I just think tape should have automatically become public record. Because honestly, this is the only way to avoid more costly mayhem or the potential of mayhem or the potential of a state of emergency or the potential of a curfew or the potential of needing the National Guard. Because frankly, if the officers did anything wrong, they should have to have contrition. They should have to answer for what they do. That's why they have cameras. Because you know that if something happened to the officer, we would be able to see the tape. And all I'm saying is you've got to level the playing field. And regardless of what I think personally, anytime you plead the fifth, anytime you say we're not going to show the tape, a lot of people are going to assume you're hiding something. Now, unofficial sponsor of the week, the freight train that's going by my house right now, by the way. Anyway, I'm just saying you've got to produce the tape. And they did. And unfortunately, the tape is still inconclusive. But as soon as the family released the, the video from the victim's wife's iPhone on Friday, the city had to do it. And the mayor, Mayor Roberts, had to pressure Chief Kerr Putney to do it. And the state investigation unit had to give them permission to get it out. But it shouldn't have come to that. It shouldn't have come to that. And it's not necessarily the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department's fault that it has come to this in America, but the fact that we have so many traffic stop shootings these days, it was the straw that broke the camel's back, certainly for Charlotte. Um, I talk about making traffic stop dashboard cam, uh, wearable body cam, tapes, records, automatically public record, okay? Um, Think about this for a minute. Okay, we have too much information now. We have too much information now for traffic stops and people getting shot at them. We have too much technology now to not be able to get a look. And I don't want to look. Personally, as a private citizen, I don't want to see anybody get shot. Not my deal at all. But whether you're a community activist or a lawyer or a judge or federal law enforcement or the state attorney general, this shouldn't be hidden anymore. I feel like traffic stops, and this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but definitely a little bit serious, are becoming like kickoffs in football. The NFL is continuing to legislate as much danger as possible out of the traditional kickoff. Why? Because we have way too much information on concussions, on bodily injuries, on trauma, and on the fact that kickoffs cause a lot of them unnecessarily. We have way too much information on that on how dangerous they can be. And so we now, need, no, we now know we need to do something. Well, we need to start legislating the rules for people's safety at traffic stops like we're legislating the rules for people's safety during kickoffs in football. So I just think this, it's probably a matter of making all traffic stops a matter of public record. I'm not saying... Well, like what I am saying is we have the technology, so let's fix it. There are a lot of good cops out there, and there are a lot of 
good people out there. And there are always going to be a couple bad people out there, and there are always going to be a couple cops who, whether it's a mistake or an error in judgment, or maybe in some very, very small cases, they're just not ideal people. Where, you know what? Let's have proof. Let's have proof. We have the technology. Let's have proof. Let's legislate safety back into a traffic stop, which is a pretty dangerous thing for a cop, too. Hence dashboard cams. Hence wearable body cams. I don't want to just make the motorist safe. But it's got to work both ways. All right. Governor Pat McCrory, Governor Charlotte, sorry, <laughs> feels like it actually. <laughs> Governor of North Carolina, he's from Charlotte. Huge conservative politician. Let's talk about House Bill 2 for one second, because House Bill 2 has been getting North Carolina in the news for all the wrong reasons lately, too. House Bill 2 was put into place because Charlotte, the city of Charlotte, decided to create a law that would allow any gendered person, regardless of how they, what they were born as, to use the, the facility that they identify as. So basically, Charlotte came up with what was a fairly, if not very accepting, uh, rule for folks who are either transgender or questioning or transsexual, basically one that was uh, pro progressive and hopefully opening to the LGBTQ community. Um, the governor, the state house, the people in Raleigh did not like this. And they made House Bill 2, and they stuck the bathroom law in there to put Charlotte in its place. And they, not only did they say that Charlotte couldn't have its own municipal law, okay? I'm going to grab a drink of water here, by the way. Water, unofficial sponsor of the week. Three-fourths of the world's surface. You're welcome. Anyway, Pat McCurry said not only is Charlotte's law not stand, but no other municipality in North Carolina can make a different law. The state, the state law overrules everybody. So let me just say this, Pat McCrory. First of all, and I'll get back to the shooting and the riots in a minute. Um, dude, <laughs> you, you, pray, you, you claim to love small government, and then you decided to rally against the smallest form of government, which is municipal government, and you made a state law that most of us don't agree with. And, again, I think there's a lot of people in Charlotte who feel like, the state is trying to talk to us about what our rights are. And that didn't help with the, with the climate going into uh, the shooting that happened this week. That didn't help with the climate um, of the police department not releasing the tapes. Um, there's been other shootings in both North and South Carolina since I've been here in the last 14, 15 months. This is boiling over in a big way. Um, and, and I just, you know, the governor, again, he loves to smack Charlotte around, as I said. I do agree that a state of emergency did need to be declared. Um, the National Guard, um, they're a third party. When, when the police are the object of the protesters' ire, it's tough for them to walk to step in and say, oh, but you can't vandalize the Omni Hotel. Oh, but you can't vandalize the Charlotte Hornets team store, which we'll get into in a second. Um, now, it's the police's fault in some ways <laughs> that the public is so angry at them that they can't go in there and do their job. But the National Guard was needed because we needed a third-party police force because everybody was mad at our police force, and that's why they were wrecking downtown Charlotte, uptown Charlotte. Um, so I agree that we had to call it in. I just feel like it shouldn't have gotten to that point. But I, back to Pat McCrory. Pat, and you may not win, you may not win your re-election bid in November, by the way, so this could, be, uh, this could be taken care of fairly quickly, but you're trying to ruin Charlotte's momentum. But I'm going to tell you what. 
as long as the weather, the pace of life, the cost of living are superior to the Rust Belt, people are going to keep coming from Buffalo and Columbus and Pittsburgh and Cleveland and all over the place. And those people are going to bring socially progressive viewpoints with them for the most part. This bathroom law is done, and um, Charlotte is so much more. And by the way, okay, I think traditional southern cities are fine and great. But Charlotte is so much more than a traditional southern city. The governor and the people of Raleigh don't speak for us. It's one of the fastest growing cities in the country. It's got people from all over the place. Um, Again, I think this bathroom law is gone. But the police department, police department needs to do a better job with being progressive towards motorists, progressive towards um, people of all shades, of all pigmentations. And I get it. It's a hard job. And I'm not here. Listen, being a cop is a, is a hard job, and thank you for those of you who do it. I'm just saying as a policy, you've got a, you've got a powder keg. Don't throw gasoline on it. Don't light the match. You've got to be responsible. Just like the public does. And we're going to get into the public in a second. Because here we go. Violence and vandalism as part of protests. See, there are bad people out there. Most of the bad people don't even care about the protests. They just love it because they have an excuse to use some type of social activism as a platform to latch onto and go and ruin and go and wreck the city and go do dumb stuff. So like I said earlier, the Hornets team store got looted. That's a bad look. Michael Jordan just literally, within the last two months, gave money to both sides of this really, really tenuous relationship right now between what I will call um, law enforcement and, I guess for lack of a better term, the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay, Michael Jordan literally gave a million dollars to each side, if you will. And it's sad that there has to be sides, but I get it. The cops are going to have their interests, and, and obviously Black Lives Matter has had uh, a lot of momentum since Ferguson. But Michael Jordan decided to do something about it, but he didn't pick a side. Michael Jordan said, here's a million dollars for both of you to try to figure this out, hopefully together. And we're going to loot the, the team store of the franchise he owns? What did MJ do to you guys? All MJ did was give both sides a million bucks. And my point is, that wasn't the protesters, and I know that. So protesters who are legitimate, and social organizers who are legitimate, I'm sorry. But the problem is that when you have a protest, you are automatically inviting loose cannons who do not care about your cause or any cause, except for their own cause, which is anarchy, mayhem, being a jerk, for lack of a better term, to use a technical term. (laughs) The bottom line is, mobs, and I don't want me to call you mob, but when you're a group of people, And when you abandon the police as your law enforcers because you are angry with the police, which again is your right as Americans, you need to police yourself. You're only as righteous in terms of being protesters as the most malevolent malevolent protester that's in your crew. And and I get it. They're not in your crew. But they're part of your group. And they're making your group a mob. You need to police yourselves. It's on you to try to keep people on message a little bit. That's a hard ask. I understand that. But you need decorum or the media will have a field day with it, which is what happened in Charlotte, which is why everybody reached out to me all week. Am I okay? Am I okay? Which is why people are saying I'm safe on Facebook. Like, what? Most people in Charlotte were very, very, very safe. But the worst amongst that group of people who were probably not even there to protest and who were literally there to just mess things up, 
They're the ones who got the National Guard involved. They're the ones who got the state of emergency declared. They're the ones who make everybody who's trying to protest peacefully look irresponsible and confused and off message. You've got to police yourself if you abandon police protection. And I get it. The police have not had a good week either. But if you're going to protest and you're going to try to draw attention to yourselves, and that's totally fine and within your rights and it's an American thing to do, you've got to police yourselves. You've got to out the people who are not there to help, who are there to ruin the city, ruin property, waste all of our time and money and like resources, and, and, and honestly, frankly, and most importantly, taking away from your cause, taking the steam out of your cause. Why we got why we got to break NJ's store, man? That ain't cool. All right, so I walked around a bit, and I kind of buried the lead on this, but I did. Um, I probably, well, I probably got to within, well, I got to as far as the police would let me go. So I didn't get to, I, I was not in the middle of everything, but I could see everything. Um, and I'll say this, walking up and back from my house to Uptown Charlotte, um, you know, it was pretty quiet. It was about 10 o'clock at night. It was, the, the curfew was going to go into effect at midnight. Um, it was pretty crazy. Because it was very quiet and, and everybody you saw, you kind of wanted to see what was going to happen or not happen. Um, I kind of made a lot of eye contact with people, kind of head nods, etc. Some of them were white, some of them weren't. Everybody's cool. So I got closer again. It was very, very, it was loud and it was, it was people were espousing for something they believed in. But, and there definitely was some things that were out of control the night before. Um, but again, I thought it was important to walk around. Um, I just do. I just think, you know what, like, how do you better understand something? And, and again, I haven't commented on anything like this because I haven't been a mile and a half away. And so if I'm going to even attempt to comment on it, which I'm hoping I'm doing an okay job today, and if it's boring, I apologize. And if it's, I don't know, if it's inappropriate, I apologize. But I walked around because I wanted to better understand it. And also, I just think people need to stop projecting that every bad thing that is going to happen is going to happen to them. If we're going to talk about it, if we're going to be about, you know, be about it, we need to actually experience it a little bit. And, and again, I wasn't in the, in the belly of the beast. I wasn't allowed to get in. And I, not order I really want to go in, frankly. I was, but I walked down there, and, and TV just made it look so different than it was. I mean, again, and I know that somebody was shot. And that's something. Let me, let me get on that before I forget to talk about that. Why are we not focusing on what civilian killed the civilian who died. And I'm, I'm not using names today on purpose. I, I just don't really want to get involved with any of that. Um, with all the cameras that are in modern day cities, with all the security cameras that are in all those buildings downtown, with all the social media out there, why are we having absolutely no focus on the fact that that's a murder? You know, people are talking about th these protests started because there was a killing a shooting, police shot a civilian, which at the end of the day, I guess can be labeled as a homicide. A person killed another person. Then we have these protests, which turn into looting, and then a civilian shoots another civilian. That's definitely a homicide. And again, whether both of those deaths this week are accidental or not, um, why are we not talking about that victim and who shot them? Because... We need to root out the people who come into crowds with guns. And clearly we're not trying to protest politely, appropriately, 
etc. They were clearly there. I just think they were bad attentions, and we should find out who that person was. And I feel like it's getting swept under the rug. Okay, I'm almost done. Um, since Thursday night, so literally it's Sunday, so it's been less than three full days. Um, we just had a shooting at a mall in Washington State. Apparently today, the early morning hours of today, there were shots fired at or near the University of Illinois campus. A week ago Sunday, we were talking about bombs in New York City. The day after that, a man was shot by a police officer in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Then Charlotte happened. We've had like <laughs> a bombing, two police, two police shootings of civilians, major looting and riots, a state of emergency, a mall shooting, and then shots on a, on a college campus in what I believe are six days. And I get that bad stuff happens. But I just feel like the media seems more focused on keeping our attention and selling advertising than on the effect of what they're broadcasting is having on us as a society. Broadcasting all of this negativity, and I get it, it's their job to some extent, but broadcasting it to mentally unstable and or deviant people is feeding the news with neutrality tragedies daily. The media is making, making these people who commit these acts quasi-famous for 24 hours until the next best thing comes along. And in some ways, I believe this is, and I don't think it's me who believes this, I think there's some, some studies, this elicits copycat behavior. And this just seems really irresponsible. Um, maybe the reason that we're under siege so much is because of the emotional damage that's been consuming all of, it's just so much emotional damage being done to us as a people. We're consuming negativity all the time. And what does it have in terms of an effect on our psyche? It's pretty crazy to think about. Um, you know, the last thing I would say is clearly Donald Trump has made the line, make America great again, famous this year. And I'm wondering if what we should all be focusing on instead of trying to make a country great again, and I don't necessarily think that the country isn't great already, but that's a topic for another day. Maybe what we should all be focused on is making the American people accountable again. If we're going to protest, we need to make sure that the, that the protesters are accountable. If we're, going to be, if we're going to police our citizens, we need to make sure that, that the police are accountable, just as the police have been put in place to make sure that we're accountable. But it works both ways. I just think we've <laughs> sacrificed accountability in this country. And really, yeah, this country, I'm not going to blame the world for this one. We as citizens towards each other have sacrificed accountability for the 24-hour news cycle. And I think that's what we need to look at more than anything. So that's my take. I appreciate y'all listening. Um, back next week with some more outlandish and fun comedy, hopefully. Um, here comes the outro. Check us out again, filibusterfreestyle.com. Check us out on SoundCloud or search iTunes. Search the phrase filibuster freestyle. You'll find our podcast. Please subscribe. Please comment and rate the podcast on iTunes. It will help us so much. Please tell a friend or two. And uh, to all those listening, we really appreciate you. Thanks again. Take care. Filibuster Freestyle. That's the end of the podcast, folks. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. This is the end of the Filibuster Freestyle.
Stop, dog.